tea time. Making a difference. One cup at a time. So be sure to grab your tea, grab a seat, and tune in to Miss Liz. Tea time. Making a difference. One cup at a time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is tea time. Miss Liz is in the house. That's right. And this afternoon, I have an incredible man in the studio with me who will be sharing on the long walk home. It is a service that brings awareness to prevention for suicide in the veterans. We will be having a strong, strong tea today. So be prepared. This tea may trigger some of you. So I want you to be aware to watch at your own risk. So we're going to start with a disclaimer, and then we're going to start with a little bit of intro, and then I'm going to get the incredible Ron Zaliski in the studio with me. Disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time live shows. Miss Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time shows hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, it may bring forward dialogue and opinions that may not represent my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the given time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participations are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion to some where they may be emotionally at risk, it is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about this disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in the show in any any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that this show is not made for you at this time, I respect that choice and we'll see you at a future show at a later date. Now we're starting off September, a new fresh month. So we have some fresh flavors and fresh topics coming to the table. So a little bit on today's guest. Ron Zaliski was born on November 11th, 1950 in Southampton, New York, New, New York and attended Hampton Bay High School. At 19 years of age, he joined the United States Marine Corps serving in the Vietnam era from 1970 to 1972. When Ron Zelisky returned home from the military, he learned that two members of his squadron had been shot and killed in combat. The other three injured. He was hit by a wave of emotions, anger, guilt, shame, the list went on. After hearing the news, Ron vowed to stop wearing shoes in 1972 as a memorial to his fallen brothers and to protest against the horrors of war. Ron still walks barefoot to this day. Ron would go on to own both a scuba shop and gym, but the anger and guilt he felt still lingered. In 2006, he sold his business and founded the Long Walk Home. The same year, he set out to walk barefoot across the Ablesians Trail. I'm going to get him to tell me what that is because I can't pronounce it. And to know more about Ron, check out his full bio on Miss Liz's Tea Time Facebook page, my LinkedIn, and my website. 
And now I'm going to get Ron in here because it's time to serve a good, strong cup of tea. So welcome, Ron. Welcome to Tea Time. It is an honor to have you here. No, it's an honor to be here as well. I appreciate that you invited me to have tea with you. Well, it, it, it is time to have a good, strong cup of tea and to get some awareness out there for the incredible men and women who have served, you know, for our lives out there. Uh, so thank you for your services first off, Ron. Now, I'd like to get into how it started and how it went about and how many years has Long Walk Home been running for? Okay, before we get into that, I want to apologize that I can't, I'm electronically challenged. So you, all you're seeing is a picture of my face. I'm not trying to be rude and you know, I don't care if you see uh, green stuff between my teeth or anything. So <laughs> just forgive me for that. And um, The Long Walk Home, uh, I founded it in 2006. Um, <clears throat> what had happened, um, I stopped wearing shoes when I got out of the Marines as a memorial for my friends that had died and suffered because I carried all this guilt and shame and anger and... Uh, you know, I wanted the way I felt I could honor them is by living up to the freedom they died and suffered for. And so I was going to not wear shoes. I can do what I want. I'm free. But, you know, I that was 20 year old thinking. I realize now that I'm free to do what I'm told and uh, there's consequences for all my actions. And I uh, it. I founded it after 9-11 had happened because I didn't tell people that I had even been in the military. And if anybody asked me why I don't wear shoes, I'd say, I don't feel like it. You got a problem with that? Because I would fight with everybody because I was so angry how we were treated. I was never in combat and uh, I don't believe in war. And I went in the military to hurt my parents. And uh, that's 20 year old passive aggressive thinking working there. And then then you discover the consequences for your actions. So I, uh, you know, I carry this anger, guilt, and shame because I felt that I do the right thing. Was I a coward? Did I do the right thing to stick up, stick up for what I believe in? You know, and then other people suffered because of that. And so I write about the whole thing in my book and my transformation. And it's, uh, I'm really transparent in it because the, my first uh, attempt at the book was I preached and told everybody what to do. And after I read half a page, I wouldn't read the book either. So then I became really transparent, which was really beneficial to me because then I got to see who I was and why I did things. And then I could change. And that's, you know, why we do this. When I first did the first walk, it was to create awareness. I had this uh, naive notion that I knew everything and that, you know, I knew what was going to happen and I'm going to walk the trail, create awareness and change laws and do all these incredible things. I didn't realize on the first walk that my walk on the Appalachian Trail, that's a 2,174 mile trail on the East Coast over mountains and everything, that's America's version of the vision quest. And on that trail, I, it was my, it allowed me to forgive myself for sitting on my hands for 33 years. And I did create some awareness, but that's all I did. And it wasn't enough. I mean, I was definitely 
not happy with not getting any results. I went to Washington and it was like I talked to one of the trees out in the woods. And then, uh, you know, I sat with that and I figured, well, I have to do more. So then I, I realized that, you know, just to create awareness is no good. You have to create awareness and then you have to have a plan. Then you have to have the plan get in, instituted. Then you have to get it carried out. Yeah. So after going, you know, walking the Appalachian Trail, creating awareness, but that's as far as it went. As far as I was concerned, it didn't help a soul, except myself, which at the time was huge, but I didn't realize it. So um, what I happened uh, four years after I got off the Appalachian Trail, I had made a sign, and at that time it was 18 vets a day committing suicide. So I walked with, I was a walking billboard with a sign that said 18 vets a day commit suicide. And I had a petition that I had people sign that I was, that I was going to bring to Washington to get mandatory counseling. Cause I figured now I have a plan. I'm going to get it instituted. I'm going to get it carried out. So then I walked across the country barefoot carrying that sign and getting people to sign a petition. And still this delusional thing that, you know, I'm going to change these laws and all this stuff is going to happen. And I, you know, got 10,000 signatures myself, another 10,000 online, plus, you know, numerous radio spots, uh, TV and newspaper spots, creating awareness for this. And I go to Washington, figure now I'm going to tell them what to do because I'm so brilliant. I know what to do. They haven't figured it out. I didn't realize they knew all along what they should be doing. They just don't do it because nobody says anything. So uh, I go there and say something, but I'm just this lone voice out in the wilderness, this barefoot nut screaming in the halls of Congress. <clears throat> and then I cried because, you know, uh, I did this and what happened? You know, all these kids are still killing themselves and they're still creating dysfunctional homes and, you know, all the other things that we bring upon ourselves. And then uh, I opened up a shelter in the Keys because I figured, well, you know what? I can't go tell somebody what to do if I'm not doing it because I won't help you if you tell me, you know, do my dishes and you're going to sit at the table and, you know, play a video game. I'm, I'm not doing your dishes, but if you work with me, I'll work with you, but I'm not going to work for you. Yeah. So I figured, well, I don't go to Washington and tell them what to do. I, I go to Washington to ask them to help me with what I'm doing. And in Washington's case, then I give them the credit for everything I've done. So I open up this shelter and that's where I learned the difference between helping and enabling. Of course, I enabled a lot of drunks in the Keys. They loved me. But when I closed the shelter down, it's like I just took my hand out of a bucket of water and didn't make a difference. Wow. And um, I, I had never, before 2006, if I ever helped anybody, it was because I was going to get something out of you. And on the trail is when I started to learn about when you do something for somebody else that you love when if when they grow or they change that's the reward for you <clears throat> it's like i get more out of it when i help a young man than he probably gets out of it it lights me up like a christmas tree 
So I, I get where it's not like people say, oh, it's a selfless act. No, it's not a selfless act. I, it's selfish because I feel so good when I get to help somebody else or walk with them on their journey because I've learned I don't change anybody. I can inspire you to change and I can show you the path I walked on. And if you allow me, I'll walk on that path with you. But you know the answers to your problems. You know the answers to your questions. If I give them to you, you can use me as an excuse if it goes wrong, because that's what I used to do. I'd ask somebody for advice and they'd give it to me. And if it went bad, well, it's not my fault. This idiot told me that. Well, I'm the idiot because I didn't seek inside. And that's what's really neat about like the Appalachian Trail. That's why I call it America's Vision Quest, because you you spend so much time with you, you get to ask yourself. And if you're really good, you listen and get the answers. So, uh, yeah, so I, uh, but how I learned that lesson about helping and enabling is um, we had a guy, I lived like a thousand feet away from the shelter because I was taking care of my mother at the time before she died. So I would go home at night and take care of my mother. And in the morning I would come in. And at this time I had like, you know, up to nine guys living in the shelter. They watching TV, eating food, not doing a thing. I'm not asking anything of them except just don't drink in the house. That's all I ask. And uh, so I come in one day and one of the guys says, hey, uh, Ron, one of your buddies was here last night using the shower. And I had built an outdoor shower because it's so hot in the Keys and, you know, they can't get showers. So and I use it, too, because I'd work out there and then, you know, take a shower. And he says, yeah, a buddy of yours came by last night and used the shower. I says, who was it? He says, no, I don't know who it was, but he shit in the shower. I says, well, did you clean it out? He said, no. Nobody in the house could clean it. Everybody had these amazing excuses why they could not clean that shower. I cleaned the shower, and I'm, I want to just get this guy and rub his face in it. And I go home. The next day, the guy comes again. They said, oh, your buddy was by again last night, and he shouldn't have showered again. Did you clean it? No. I'm cleaning it out this time, and I'm Scream! I'm living. I'm like, God, what are you trying to tell me? I'm so angry. I want to beat this guy up. Then I got that that guy was me because you couldn't help me unless I allowed you to help me. I will show you you can't help me by destroying any help you give me. That's when I realized, you know what? I, can, I can't help you. I, this is what I can offer you, and this is what... I want in exchange for that. If you want me to help you, this is what you have to do. If you can't do that, that's fine. You're, you're, you're doing great sleeping in your own puke. You don't need my help. You're doing great. But when you're ready to make a change, let me know and I'm here to work with you. But I'm not going to do all this for you and get pissed on. Yeah. So uh, that was a really big, you know, I get a lot of God moments and I get a lot of I work really hard to listen and, and try to see his message. I can't read his handwriting. And most of the time, I don't understand the language he's using. But once in a while, I get it. And uh, that was one of the times I got it. So, uh, you know, I continue to help. And like when I walk the Appalachian Trail, just to 
go backtrack a little bit. It was one of the most physically challenging things I did because I basically slept on the ground for a year in the dirt, walking barefoot, you know, walking through snow and thunderstorms and, you know, all sorts of, you know, getting my feet cut. And it was really physically challenging. And like the veterans comprise 7% of the population in America. Over 40% of the veterans are people that walk the trail. 30% of the people that walk the trail are veterans because they're trying to find their way home. Because to make that transition from the military to going home is really severe. People think, oh, you know, what's the big deal? You haven't gone through it. So you don't know what you're talking about. And you have a really big shift because when you're, you know, you're before the age of 19, you know, the world is black and white for you. There's no gray areas. You know, you said this to me, you lied to me, you're a hypocrite, you know, or and then and then you believe everything they tell you in school. Well, at least I believe most of everything they told me. And then when you find out the reality, it's it's way different. It's like, uh, you know, they tell you, oh, you know, we're going to do all the stuff for you. You're a hero to go in the military. And then you go in and I wasn't in combat, but I talked to a lot of guys in combat that, you know, they tell you all this stuff when you go over there. It's nothing like what you, you say. And anybody that was overseas in combat and comes back, the only reason they go back is for their buddy. They don't. I haven't heard anybody that went back for his country. They go back to save their buddy and to be with their buddy. So it's it's pretty sad, you know, and it's uh, what blows me away is people say, oh, we'll always have war till the day we die. You know, it's inevitable. I'm thinking, and, they, and we say we're the smartest animal on the planet. Well, I kind of beg to differ there. If we're so smart, we can send a man to the moon. How come we can't figure out how to talk and live in peace? Exactly. You know, so that to me, and, you know, we glorify war by saying, oh, war is evil. We're going to we're going to fight evil. No, war is stupid. What's evil is our apathy. And I get down, I get a little hard on myself because I sat on my hands for 33 years and my my mantra back then was, so what, who cares? It doesn't matter because I gave up. I became a victim. But after 9-11 and um, I had this epiphany because I had a gym and a scuba shop and one of the things was I taught kids to swim. And I'm bringing these little five-year-old kids to the edge of the pool. And this one five-year-old looks up at me, dead in my eyes, and says, how come you don't wear shoes? It was like God hit me with a two-by-four and said, what are you doing? That was the first person I told in 33 years why I didn't wear shoes. Then I realized I'm the problem. I have allowed the war to go on because I have done nothing to stop it. I blamed everybody else, the, the churches, the politicians, uh, you know, everybody but myself. 
that day is the day I took responsibility. And that was the day I could make change. That was the day I closed my place down and started to walk. Because I could no longer live with myself realizing that it's up to me. I used to be of that mind where, you know, oh, somebody's doing something to help them. I don't have to do anything because somebody else is doing something. No, I have to do something too. This is, this is my planet. This is my country. This is my home. This is my town. How I show up in it makes a difference. How I show up in it, you know, I used to be so arrogant. It doesn't matter what I do. That is so arrogant because everything I do matters and has an impact. When I change, the world changes because I'm part of the world. And to me, that's arrogant to believe that it doesn't matter what I do. So, I mean, that's why I do what I do. And that's why, you know, these younger guys will listen to me because I do my best not to be a hypocrite. If I'm going to, you know, tell you to do something or even throw out the option of why don't you try this? I've already done it so that I give you permission. Because if I tell you what to do when I haven't done it, I don't give you permission. If I smoke and tell you not to smoke, I'm not giving you permission because what I'm really telling you is don't to smoke because I'm smoking, but I'm telling you not to. Yeah. So I'm not giving you permission. I'm giving you permission to smoke. And then we say, oh, kids are so rebellious. Can you blame them? If you don't walk to talk and you tell them what to do, hello? I mean, why do you think we were called rebellious? Why, yeah. you know, we did all of that stuff because, oh, our parents, they don't know what they're talking about. They're a bunch of hypocrites. We didn't know there was gray matter in the world. But we also know when somebody says something and they don't live it, how can I listen to you? You may have the perfect advice, but if you're not living it, I can't hear you. Because you're not really saying it. Yep. You're saying something else. So yeah. to me, that's really important. And the world will never change unless we start changing ourselves. So where did the long walk home come from? Like the name, is that something that the veterans use, Bron? Or? Um, no, but, you know, on my logo, there's a picture <clears throat> Uh, I cry easy. So when I tell this story, it's that's okay. Tough. You're allowed to cry. You, well, you don't I'm have to apologize for your you. I, I cry whether people let me or not, but I'm just letting you know, because on our logo, we have a picture of a man holding a little girl's hand. And when we come home, they think, oh, you know, it's just that little sh short walk off of that airplane to home. Some of us visit home, but we never make it home because we're not that person anymore and we still live in the past and we're never raised, we're never raised to kill. We're raised to be good people. Then we train somebody for 12 weeks to kill, to do the unspeakable, and then we don't allow them to speak about it. And then we look at them with fear and say, oh, thank you for your service. No, you want to thank a guy for his service, say, thank you for your service. What can I do to help you? How are you doing? Can I buy you a sandwich? Is there anything I can do for you? Here's a kid that was willing to lay down his life for you. 
And all you can do is say thank you for your service and you can't reach your Tyrannosaurus Rex hand into your pocket. Exactly. Or give him the time of day and spend two minutes with him. Please. That's not thank you. That's lip service. Yeah. And I'm angry. exactly and and I, I and I'm glad that you brought that up, Ron, because a lot of people say thank you for your service, but they'll walk right by a veteran and won't even give them acknowledgement for the work and the life that they put on the table for your freedom. You know, a lot of people will say thank you and remembrance. They won't even wear the poppy, won't even say thank you. So I think that's something that we really need to bring awareness to is, you know, it's nice to say words. It's nice to say things, but our actions really need to step up. Yeah. It's better than calling us baby killers. Like in my generation, because, you know, we do the unspeakable. Then we believe we're monsters and then when you reinforce it by calling us monsters and they wonder why there was such a high suicide rate and people say, just get over it. I say, okay, you're in a car, you're driving, your whole family's in a car, you get in this horrific accident, everybody dies but you, and it might be your fault, we'll never know. Get over it. You know, when you get in a car, accidents happen and people get killed. What's the big deal? That's what you're telling this 19-year-old kid that walked away from reading comics, riding a bicycle, and trying to get a date with the girl next door. Now you put him in a world where he sees extreme horror, and he sees the world in a cold, hard way. I mean, my father beat me physically or verbally every day of my life, and I thought he hated me. But what he was doing was preparing me for the world he saw, which was horror, because we're Polish. I'm third generation here. My father was in World War II at the end of the war and went to Auschwitz where they're scraping our relatives off the floor. What do you think that does to a 19-year-old kid? You know, it's just, uh, you know, and I just do my little part to help make the world a little brighter for that young man or woman. You know, we may never stop war. You know what? My goal is to help this young one young person and help him end his internal war because that's what it's about that's what it's about you know people say oh protest war i says i'll protest war the day that we stop having divorce how can i protest war when we have two people that say they love one another and they get to a point where they would kill one another so the war is here inside that's where the war is and that's what we have to end and it's the fear you know, it's, you know, the greed or fear we're not going to get enough, so we have to attack them. And, you know, I'm not saying we lay down our weapons and don't protect ourselves. You know, we have to be, we have to be vigilant. We have to take care of ourselves. But there's a right way and a wrong way. You know, there's a way that's ethical, you know, to stop, to defend, you know, and, and I don't even get into that. I just know that the war that I had in my soul was horrendous. And I had, I had contemplated suicide many times. But to me, that was given up. And I'm really Catholic. So if I killed myself, I'm going to hell anyway. So I'm going to gamble and see if uh, I can beat that one. I mean, I've changed my views a little bit. But that's what we work to do. And we, you know, we used to do events, and we don't do as many events now, because we really focus on the mentorship program. 
And the mentorship. Yeah, if you if you if you'd like to share a little bit about the mentorship program, because I do have a list here that you have on the website, and the website is posted here. So for the viewers that are watching, you can see the information there. For the audio, if you're listening to the audio, it is in the description, so you can find Ron and all the incredible work he's doing. But yeah, Ron, if you'd like to share about the mentorship program. Yeah, I would. But before I do that, I want to just make a statement. You know. I'm in America right now. You're doing this with me, this uh, radio station, and you're in Canada. And I did. I had a booth in the, at an event in the Keys. There was thirty thousand people there. More Canadians stopped at my booth to talk with me and thank me than Americans. I wow. was so ashamed that day of my country when. Foreigners, and I know there wasn't 15,000 Canadians at that event. I'll tell you that right now. And for more of them to come and stop and see me and thank me than my own fellow countrymen, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. So I thank you that you got a hold of me to do this podcast. And I really, I just want to acknowledge that because we think we think some of the things we do don't matter and make a difference. Everything we do, like you're just doing this with me. It makes a big difference, even if it's just between you and me and nobody else. So with the uh, mentorship program, what we do, it's, uh, it's been an ongoing thing because with me, everything's learning. And I developed all the challenges through my struggles and my self-awareness and my growth. And there are 10 challenges, and they're simple challenges, but they're powerful because they cause you to think. And when you think is when you can make the shift. Because if you don't think and you go through life unconscious, like most of my life was pretty much unconscious, I would react instead of act. Then you can shift and change because I can do all sorts of stuff. I can give you money and give you do this, but... If you don't change, I might as well just throw it away. I'm not, I'm not helping you because it's just stuff. So these challenges, like the first challenge is, what are you grateful for when you wake up? What are you grateful you accomplish at the end of the day? Now, you think, you know, if you're older like me, you think, oh, what, what's the big deal? You know, I wake up every day and I'm pretty grateful this or that. Well, if you're a 20-year-old that thinks he's a monster, and you're drinking a fifth a day, and you got a gun in your mouth every so often to play with it. That's a tough question to answer. And we had a kid that had a gun in his mouth drinking a fifth a day. It took him two days to answer that question. I acknowledge him for the courage he had to answer that question. Just answering, just doing that one challenge changed his life. Because now he had something he was grateful for. He had something to live for. And he saw a bright spot in the day. So that's what all of those challenges are like that. I mean, I just, just a half an hour before this program, well, an hour before this program, a guy came by and he's my age from the Vietnam era. He's a couple years older than me. He took the challenges. 
every time I see him, he thanks me and tells me how much it's done and how much his wife is like, can't believe the transformation in him because he never took the time to look at these things and think about them and shift. This guy, he is so grateful. And the ones that are grateful are the ones that change. Because if you don't change, you don't put any effort into it, it's no big deal. But if you change and you get something out of it, you are grateful because you see what it's done for you. That's why I'm so passionate about it, to share it with others, to get them to change. And I don't go to a guy and say, oh, you're a mess. You need this program. No, I don't say that because in the military, we're not trained to go for help. We're trained to be the help. We're trained to be the guy you go to or the woman you go to when you got a problem and we take care of it. So we're not going to go for help. And it's funny because when we first put our mentorship program out there, we said, who wants help? It's like not one response. Then I looked at it and I said, well, I wouldn't even sign up for this. And I made it. Then I, we said, okay, who wants to help a veteran? We had to shut the lines down in 40 minutes because we were so overloaded. Wow. So, so when we put it that way, because we, we have this desire to be of service, because here we were at one time ready to die in service of our fellow man. And now that's gone from us. So part of our challenges help you create a new mission. And part of it is when you sign up, now you're already ready to make that a new mission to help your fellow man. And then you can't become a mentor until you take all the challenges. Because I won't let somebody take you through the challenges unless they've done it. Because how can how could I take you through something I've never been? Exactly. And I say that all the time to everyone I've had on Tea Time. The best way to help anyone is if you live it. If you don't live it, how dare you speak of it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've i caught myself being, you know, when I was really arrogant. I'm still a little arrogant. Nowhere near what I used to be. <laughs> I'm the smartest guy in the room and the handsomest and all this and that, you know. And uh, Yeah. I forgot where I was going. I just, I <laughs> but like I did say before the show started, yeah. your picture it's an awesome yeah. picture of you, Ron. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to live it in, instead of just think you are and to do it, to be it, you know, to be in it. And, you know, I used to fight a lot. And then I had a gym and the guy that ran the, the dojo uh, was the matchmaker for ultimate fighting. The most, the scariest fighters were the ones that were fearless. And they were fearless because they were so bad. You were no threat to them. And when you can become that confident and that humble, because people that are brag and boast and think they're this and that, they're afraid. You know, I was afraid that I was stupid and ugly and all this. That's why, I, oh, you know, I'm the brightest bulb. No. But when I, when I became humble, which God definitely humbled me on my walk across the country, that's when I had some, that's when I had real strength. Because, you know, I know my place. You know what? I wish people could see themselves the way I do. Because when I look at people sometimes, I say, my God, you are so awesome. 
look at what you can do. Look at what you've accomplished. And look at so much more that you can do. But they they hide themselves like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not enough. I'm not. You are more than enough to do anything. You can do anything you choose to do. And then they die or they're on their deathbed. Oh, I should have done this. I could have done it. Do it today, man, because yeah. every every minute after I have, after I get off this, or even after this second, is a bonus. It's gravy. You know, don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. It's too late then. You know, if you believe in reincarnation, okay, you'll get another chance. But you're not going to remember the time you wasted, so you may be wasting it again. <laughs> you're just going to repeat. <laughs> yeah. I tell people, you know, don't you don't have to believe anything I say, but the day I walk on water, that's the day you believe me. Yeah. You know, so I'm a guy just struggling like anybody else. And these mentorship programs are awesome because, and you don't have to be a veteran to do it because we mentor the families as well, because they go through a struggle that is totally ignored. The spousal abuse, the child abuse, the, you know, the drinking and the drugs and all, I mean, just the beat, it's just, it's insane. And they suffer in silence. And to say anything is unpatriotic. I mean, I've had women tell me, geez, you know, I don't want to seem unpatriotic, but I'm glad when he leaves because I can't handle him when he's home. Let's help them. Yeah. Let's help them. And we help them by saying, how would you like to create a new mission? How would you like to help somebody else? How would you like to help a fellow veteran? What we're starting to do, we're doing a pilot program next week where we're going to do the mentorship program in the woods, where we're going on the Appalachian Trail and we're going to walk for two to three days and do the whole program in the woods. Because we do it on Zoom and the problem with Zoom is you have to do some of these challenges. If you haven't done all, most of the challenges before you get on the Zoom, you have a million excuses why you can't finish some of the challenges because there's a little homework. It's not yeah. much. I mean, you can do all the challenges in two days, but people drag it out forever and don't do, well, it's no big deal. Oh, yeah, I get it. No, you haven't lived it yet. Yeah. Oh, I watched a video of, you know, uh, combat. Oh, I get, I get it. No, you don't. So this, I'm really excited about this because this, the, it'll make the dropout rate zero because the way I look at it, if you go out in the woods with me, you're not coming back until you finish the challenges. There you go. So <laughs> you'll wake up in the morning and you'll be the only guy left out there in the woods. And I think that's what we need, right? We need more, more pilot programs like this where it's on hand because it's like you said, like when you do it virtually, everyone is like, well, I'll get to it later. I'll finish it later. But they never do. Or they say, oh, I finished it. But there's no proof of them finishing it. Right. So, yeah, well, and, and it's work. I mean, we do the Zoom because I don't want to. We do it on email and Zoom and we're going to do it. Uh, we tried doing it live. So now we're just going to do it in the woods because I don't want to have anybody to have an excuse why they can't do it. And it's yeah. work. It's work. People don't like to face themselves. The 73-year-old guy that just left here an hour ago, is I never looked at this stuff. I I wished I had this when I got out. So this, know, pi this pilot program that you're talking of, Ron, 
Is there a sign up for it? Is it on the website? How can we don't have it on there yet because you know we're just doing a dry run with a couple people. We already do we do the mentorship on Zoom now. And it's good because it's cool because people that really want to change, you can see when the light bulb goes off. You see that, you know, that awareness in their eyes when they get it and they, oh my God, you know, and they call me up and thank me. I mean, so some of the challenges people are really resistant to and yell and scream and all that. And then then they call me later. Thank you. Because they had to go through it. They had yeah. to go through it. So now, Ron, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework since we're talking about homework here. Uh, <laughs> so if I ask you what your tea is, what would your words be for your tea? Yeah, and you sprung that on me before we started. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I always have a little twist to my tea times. Yeah. Well, the first tea would be trouble. And what would you, what would your E be? Everybody. And your A? Awareness. You just served this really strong tea of yourself. Because the tea is within us, right, Ron? It's the travels that we've gone through, the past, the present, and the future. And this is exactly, you were troubled in the younger age. You know, you were, you 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 struggle. And you even still today admit that you're struggling, you know. And everybody, you're out there trying to help everybody and serve everyone. And that's part of the service, like you mentioned, as you were sharing your story, is that Veterans, when they come home, they're so used to serving their country. When they come home, who do they serve? What do they do, right? Yeah. And the awareness of the future that you're going to make a difference, Ron, and you are making a difference. And awareness is very deeply important. But like you mentioned when you shared your story, you have to have the action with the awareness too. We can give out as much awareness as we want out there. But if we don't talk the walk and do the walk, how do we make a change? Yeah, it's funny, you know, you say that because when – I was walking on the trail and a woman found out what I was doing. She says, Oh, you know, you got to uh, mention about the depleted uranium and all of that and what it's doing to everybody. I says, well, how much are you doing about it? She said, just talking to you. I says, well, that's how much I'm going to do because that's how important it is to you. And then exactly. she went away angry. But that, that, that's what it is. They get angry because they're not willing to take the steps that they want us to take. No, yeah, they want us to push their car while they sit on the side of the road, you know, and that's not going to happen. Well, it's almost like the story that you you mentioned earlier when we first started the tea time is that that person shitting in the shower, right? You know, you can't help somebody that doesn't want help. It doesn't matter how much you love them, how much you care about them until they're ready and willing to get help. You can't move forward, right? Yeah, but and you know what? I have another neat story about that. I met a... Well, I know a lot of mothers, but this one mother was telling me, you know, I took in my daughter and she lived with me for six months and she had a drinking problem, a drug problem. She had trouble with the law. I badgered her for six months. Well, you got to do this. You got to do that. And then she decided, you know what? I've been trying to get her to change for me. I can't change anybody. I'm going to change for her. The day she did that was the first day she had a real conversation with her daughter. Wow. Because I can't change you. 
I can change myself. And you know what? I, when I used to be very judgmental and, oh, I know why this guy did it for this reason and, and he's an a-hole. And, but then when I found out why they did it, I'm saying, oh, my God, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. So I don't know where you are and what your path is and what you have to accomplish and why you do something. But to accept that, that, you know, we're all together in this, you know, and uh, it's easy for me to forgive people because I've done everything as bad or worse than you've done. So how can I not forgive you, you know, unless I want to continue to punish myself, you know? Well, that's it, right? The healing has to start with us. You know, we can't heal. We can't fix anyone but ourselves. Once we start healing and fixing ourselves, then the surroundings around us actually do change. Yep. So, so any words out there for the veterans that are listening now and that will watch the replay later, Ron? What message do you have for the veterans out there about the long walk home? Well, what I would like them to do is, you know, take a look at us online, become a mentor, uh, buy my book. You know, that would be nice. Uh, but I it took me 14 years to write the book. Not only am I Polish, I'm slow and a Marine. So that, you know, that makes that amplifies that. But I wasn't done with the book. And every time I would rewrite the book, I would find out why I did something or that I'm lying. And then to find the truth of why I did things and my transformation. I wrote it so that people would understand veterans and maybe a veteran might see himself through my eyes and make a shift. And then also so my children know who their father is because they think, oh, I know you. I spent my whole life with you. Yeah, but you don't know me before you were born. You don't know what I went through and what the lunatic and why I do what I do to you now. And it's really cool because my son's read my book and I have a closer relationship with one that has fought me most of his life. And that is worth the 14 years and the price of the book for me. Nobody well, else looks at it. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. And I think our children actually understand this better when they read a book or they hear our story through a different avenue than ourselves. You know, uh, my myself, Ron, I've shared my personal story. I've overcome a lot of stuff. And my children, when they read my book, they were like, oh, okay, mom, now I get it. You know, yeah. now I understand. Where if I would have told them, they would have been like, mom, can you stop, please? You know, and I'm sure that's where it came with you and your sons as well, is that, okay, dad, yeah, I know you. I know you. Like, you raised me. I know who you are. But they didn't actually know who you were before they came along. Yeah, yeah. So... What I would like, you know, any veteran to do is take a look at that and, you know, sign up for the Zoom, take a challenge. And when we put the walks out there, go for a walk or do a one on one and give me a call. My phone number is on there. I mean, I'm real reachable. I may not be able to answer the phone right away because, like, I have calls while we're doing this. And but I will get back to you and we'll do whatever we can to help you or just to talk. You know, I mean, nobody's broken as far as I'm concerned. We've made mistakes, but let's not make that mistake define us. You know, we are many things. I'm many things. I'm a good guy. I'm a bad guy. I'm lazy. I'm industrious. I'm stupid. I'm smart. I'm all of that. 
but what am I going to, who am I going to find myself as? Who am I being? Am I going to be that loving father that tucks his child in bed? <clears throat> or am I going to be the monster that hits him? I'm a choice at every instant. Let's be mindful and make that choice the right choice. Make that choice a loving choice. I loved it when I was walking across the country. I was in this space of being fearless. I had no expectations. I had no doubts, no fears. I was just, it was like I was guided. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I have a purpose. You know, we'll help you find your purpose. Because we had a mission at one point. We had ultimate service, an ultimate purpose. What is our purpose now? What are we going to do now? Let's create a new mission. Let's be that man we want our daughters to marry. Be that man we want our sons to be. Let's be that inspiration that people want to come up and talk and share and and be with us. Yeah. I used to be the guy that walked down the street and everybody went to the other side of the street. You know, let's be somebody else. Let's make the world a better place. So maybe the world's all screwed up. Maybe the politics are all screwed up, but let's make our corner of the world better. Yeah. Let's not perpetuate fear like, you know, this party is the enemy. No, we're, they're opponents. They have a different point of view. We, want, we all want peace and love and prosperity for our, our family. We all want the same thing. Why do we have to code it in such adversarial, adversarial terms? We don't need to do that. You know, we all want to help. I mean, one of the biggest things to me is people, they say they feel alone. There's almost 8,000 people or eight, probably 8,000 people on this planet. And you feel alone. Every time you turn around, you're tripping over somebody. Somebody's in your face. You're not alone. You feel alone because you're afraid to talk to him. You're afraid, oh, he might hurt me. I don't think so. You know, you're never going to know if you just say, hey, hey, how are you doing? Boy, that's a pretty dress you have on. Well, you know, I'm glad you're here. You know, anything. But be sincere and really mean it. And it's amazing. I go up to these guys that are scary looking people, scars, tattoos, growl. And I'll say, you know, I'll make some wisecrack about one of their tattoos. And the guy will crack a big toothy grin and we'll start a conversation. Not everybody's an ax murderer. You know, I know the media likes to portray it that way. So they sell more paper or something, but you know, more people are out there that are good than they are bad. And even the bad ones, you know, that's, they need help yeah. and they don't know how to ask for it. So during your, your walks, do you have any prevention for the suicide for the veterans? Like, I, I I did a little bit of research on your on the website, Ron, and you you're bringing awareness to the prevention of suicide. So is it because when the veterans come home, they don't feel home anymore that we're, we're having this increase of numbers? Well, what happens? There's a lot of different levels to that. We also offer a, a, a suicide prevention workshop. But what happens? Okay, you're a 20 year old kid. You believe everything they told you. You go over for your country, the Taliban, they're terrible people. You go fight that fight. 
Then they pull everybody out, leave all the weapons there. Now we've trained them all to be better terrorists. And we leave all that weapons and stuff and just pull out. And I just lost two legs for what? Everything I went and fought for has just been undone. I know that's, you know, there's a lot of gray area. I'm just being a little to the one side of this whole thing because a lot of good has been done, but it just doesn't make sense to, a, a, especially since they don't tell you everything. Yeah. So you don't really know what the truth is, but you see that kind of stuff and you start to be disappointed in your country. And then you come home and then people talk, oh, the war is stupid and this and that. And you just spent... 20 years of your life fighting it. And now you're calling it stupid and pointless. And so now you feel worse. And then you, you know, you were in charge of a million dollars worth of equipment and men. They come home. They don't trust you with a broom. We have post-traumatic stress. Or you might flip out at any minute. You can't, you know, you can't push a broom. So then you get angry. You have no purpose. All your positions have been filled at home. You were the man in the house. Now you just came home and you're like a guest. And you get you have explosive anger now because you see the world in a different way. You hear the stuff in news doesn't match anything like's happening over there. So you get angry and, you know, it explodes. You know, somebody, we're toward extreme prejudice. You know, somebody does you wrong, you kill them. You know, it's pretty cut and dry. So here, somebody, some, you know, drunk driver kills your kid. You kill the guy. You know, I mean, you're not supposed to do that, and they do it, and then they go to prison for the rest of their lives for something they were taught to do and that they're going to regret for the rest of their life anyway because they can't bring back the child. So you can't punish that man any more than he's punished by losing his daughter. Yeah. So, you know, so, yeah, so they're angry. And so you, it's hard for somebody because the mantra I heard every day when I walked across the country with my sign, every day a mother would pull off the side of the road, get out of the car, tell me it's my fault. He told me I didn't believe him. I should have known it's my fault. Hold me like I was that child and cry. I cried every day for 10 and a half months. Because these mothers blame themselves, the fathers, the sisters, they all blame themselves because they thought they knew who that person was. They were in denial that he changed. Oh, he's the same kid that was reading comic books just last year, six months ago. That's the same kid. No, it's not. He's seen horrors that he doesn't want anybody to see. He's done things that he does, hopes nobody ever does. And he can't, he has trouble realizing, you know, either compartmentalism or making it right or justifying for it or just living with it. And, you know, the way I look at it for me is I made mistakes. I can correct the mistake. But I've, if I've sinned and done a horrible thing, there is no hope for that. Yeah. There is no hope. So we made mistakes. We can correct those mistakes. We can shift what we learned for something positive. It's, 
I don't want to be judgmental because when I judge, I judge myself. And it's it's tough because, you know, it's easy to say things and rationalize it, but your emotions have nothing to do with reality and logic. You know, you feel these terrible things and you keep dwelling on them. So that's why we make these shifts, because if you start to shift, you can start to see it different and then Mm. forgive yourself. And... I mean, that's that's the big thing, because a lot of guys, I remember guys yelling at me, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have to forgive myself. Why are you so angry? Look, I was angry. Because I didn't want to admit I was angry. I didn't want to admit I was afraid. It takes courage to say, you know what? You're right. I'm afraid. I made a mistake. I believed a lie. I can fix that. I can do something better. We're still alive. We still have a chance to do something better for the next person so the next person doesn't have to do that. Or we can help them when they get out to, you know, to say it's okay. It's okay. You know, you're going to get through this. I got 40-year-old guys come to me and say, am I going to be okay? You're going to be okay, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time. And you got to look yeah. in it. I'm not saying relive these horrors because some of these people – you know, rewrite and re- I mean, that don't do that. We did this. That's the past. What are we going to do today? We know what triggers us. You know, the sight of a child triggers us because of what we've seen happen to a child or what we did to a child. Okay, that triggers us. But we'll be mindful of it. Okay, that was then. This is now. What am I going to do now? Not to ever do this again. Yeah. It's it's a tough thing. I'm no therapist. I'm just a guy that's been through the ringer both directions several times. And I know what worked for me. And I've taken that walk. And in the mentorship program, if you allow me, I'll walk with you on the path I've walked. And I'm there well, for you. Well, I want to really thank you, Ron, because... With your mission, I, I, I've, I've looked over the mission and I've seen the incredible work that you've done and the steps that you've taken, you know, and I think you give a real strong message to the viewers and listeners out there. You know, we need to start walking the talk, you know, talking without walking is not doing anything. It's not changing anything. You know, we need that shift where we actually walk the talk. Uh, so I really want to thank you for joining me today on Tea Time and sharing your story and sh- like we're not done. We're, 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 we're going to have you back, Ron, because we need to hear more stories like this. And we need to know more of these missions and bring the walk to the talk, you know, because I think it's really strong and important to get that message out there. This is an awareness show, but I want to do more with your talk, with your mission than just having you here for awareness. I want people to listen to this podcast, listen to this show and see how you can help. And just by sitting and talking with a veteran will make a difference. You know, don't just thank them for their service. Actually take the time to sit with them. Have a coffee with them. Invite them to your home. You know, they're, they're not monsters. They're, they're human beings too. So, Ron, I really want to thank you for joining me today on Tea Time and sharing your story. Uh, we're going to go a little over the hour, but I want you to give any final words out there for any of the listeners that are listening now or watching the replay. If anybody has any thoughts or suggestions how we could improve what we do, I'm all ears. 
I may not institute everything, but I'm always looking to improve what we do. And, uh, you know, we need help. Uh, like every, every nonprofit, we need help with funding. It cost us like $1,600 per mentor, and it cost us 800 for everybody we put through at assist program. We cover all those fees. We've been doing it by donations from people like you. But, you know, don't do it out of guilt. Do it because you look at what we do and say, I like what they do. I want to be part of this. I want to be a mentor or I want to help financially because I can. Don't, don't do it for guilt. I mean, uh, I'm good with the guilt. You know, Catholics, we were really, we were trained with guilt. I think what they they say, uh, what, Jews invented guilt and the Catholics, uh, you know, oh, the Jews invented it and we improved it or something like that. So... I don't work to do that. I want you to believe in what we do. Yep. And I want you to be part of it and then help, you know, I'll go anywhere to speak and set up a program. So I really appreciate it. And I thank you Canadians for how you step up to the plate to be grateful for our military and what we sacrifice. Thank you. No, thank you. And thank you to all the listeners and viewers out there tonight that have tuned into our tea time and who will watch the replay. And if you have any questions or anything at all, all of Ron's information will be in the description for the audio uh, audio uh, recordings. And for the visual one, you can tune in to Miss Liz's YouTube channel and you can watch it at any time and you can watch it bit by bit or all at once. If it's too much for you all at once, just take a break and come back, grab a tea, and come back and watch the rest. But again, thank you, Ron, for joining me today on Tea Time. And thank you for allowing me to have you share your story on my platform. I'm truly honored. And I want to thank everyone who is working with The Long Walk Home and your team for everything that they're doing as well. And we will see everyone back here on Tea Time on September 7th at 7 p.m., where I have D.C. Gomez coming in, where she'll be speaking about her books, her fantasy books, and limiting beliefs, because she does have her story, too. So I will see everyone for tea on September 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.